I don't know if any of you uh, have discovered this, you, you that are you know, my age or older, which are a few of us in this room, but uh, as you get older, as I get older, I find myself reflecting a bit more on unrealized goals, uh, on the things that um, I wish that I had done, on some of the hopes and dreams that I've had in my life that have been unfulfilled. And I think at a certain point you recognize that there's a good possibility that some of those things will go unrealized. Now, hopefully if they're sort of foundational issues, we, we deal with those. But there are just some things in life, aren't there, that uh, we will probably never do and will probably never see accomplished. And I'm not talking just about when you're young and you want to be a fireman or you want to be an astronaut or uh, you want to be a neurosurgeon or a... Uh, <laughs> I should stop there, shouldn't I? Um, all those things, um, but other things. And honestly, I've discovered kind of a deep regret in my heart for all the unfinished business in my life, all the unfinished things. Um, I'm the type of person who has a million books, and a lot of them have been unfinished. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that, and, uh, but that happens from time to time. Good intentions, uh, but sometimes unfinished business. Unresolved relationships. People that you wish that you had gotten to know better. Those people who kind of pass through your life at one stage or another, and uh, for whatever reason, you, you never see them again, you never talk to them again, you never hear from them again. Those old friends that, uh, that you think about sometimes, and you wonder how they are and what they're doing, and uh, you don't know. Um, incompleted projects. You know, I want to write a book someday, and I guess I'm not too old to do that. But the reality of that happening, <laughs> who knows? Um, but those kinds of things, and some of you that are more talented around the house, you know, those kind of uncompleted projects. Um, just some regret, and uh, that's, an honest, uh, that's an honest statement on my part, and I know that you share in that too, some of you. But unlike us, God always finishes what he starts. God always finishes what he starts. As Paul reminds us in Philippians God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. God, who began this work of transformation in your life, will bring it to completion someday. Notice it doesn't say God might finish, or God hopes to finish, or God's best intent is to finish. It says God will finish this work of transformation that he begins in each of our hearts. It is a lifelong process, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out. And for some of us, it will not be complete until we look Jesus in the eye in eternity someday. If you've given your life to Christ, if you've opened yourself up to God and asked him to control your life, you will spend eternity in heaven. And by the way, you will be complete, finally. You'll be perfect, finally. You'll be perfect in every way. You will indeed be a finished product. What would that be like? <laughs> to be a finished product. But the goal of our faith is simply not to make it to heaven. The goal of our faith is not simply to drag ourselves across the finish line, huffing and puffing, although it could happen that way. The goal is to finish this marathon that we call life. 
and it's to finish it well. I'm a proponent for finishing strongly. Darlene and I tell our kids that. We tell other people that. Finish whatever you've started and finish it strongly. Finish it well. Our goal is to do that. It's to enjoy life. It's to live life to the fullest. The abundant life that Jesus talks about. The goal is to understand who you are. Who God is. Who Christ created you to be. The goal is to serve Him and to serve other people, to give yourself away. That's how we finish strong. But here's the question. Can we be confident at all that we'll finish the race well? And moreover, can we have any assurance that we'll even finish the race at all? It is a long, grueling race, this thing called life. Is it not? It is difficult, and there are pitfalls and obstacles and dangers along the way. Things that truly have the potential not only to get you off track, but to knock you completely out of the race. Some of you could speak to this better than I can. But my answer to the question is a resounding yes. Yes, we can finish the race well, and yes, we will. <laughs> One way or another, we'll all get there. We'll all get there. And the reason I'm confident is because of God's grace. God's sustaining grace. The grace that lifts us up and helps us and encourages us and helps us to stand during the most difficult times in our life. God doesn't simply save us, although He does. But he sustains us. If the only thing God did was save me, I could look back to that experience and say, you know, that was a great day back in 1970-something. You know? But God doesn't just save us. God continually saves us. Over and over and over. And God sustains us through everything that we face in our lives. What is sustaining grace? What is it? One of the teachers asked me, and I, I kind of anticipate those questions, so I actually write them down now. What is it? As simply as I can define it, it's the God-given ability to persevere. It's God's staying power. It's the gift. All grace is a gift. But it's a gift that God gives us that helps us when we encounter a variety of things in our life. It's the God-given power to keep on going when we feel like quitting. I bet that some of you are here this morning, and in some area of your life, you are ready to throw the towel in. And God comes to you and he says, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. Hang in there. Keep going. Sustaining grace is the God-given power to do the right thing when it's easier to do the wrong thing. When we would rather do the wrong thing. I know I'm the only one that sometimes would rather do the wrong thing. But that being said, God is there. It sustains me and I suspect most of you too. There are many things that will happen in your life that will cause you to stumble. Even cause you to drop out of the race. Perhaps for a period of time. Perhaps for a long period of time. But even in the most difficult circumstances, 
God says, my grace, my sustaining grace is available to you. And I will keep you. I will help you. I will be with you wherever you go. And you know, I know we believe that here. And those of you that are going through some really difficult times, you know that to be true. But isn't the tension really between what we know and what we experience as reality in our life? I think it is. We know this stuff. I want to try to help us, help myself, get there so that we can experience the reality of it in our lives and not just have some intellectual understanding of it. Listen to the way Peter expressed this idea to believers in his day. He wrote them a letter to encourage them, and this is what he said. My purpose in writing is to encourage and assure you that the grace of God is with you no matter what happens. And by the way, for those believers, that meant the grace of God is with you when you get hung up on a Roman cross and crucified because you are a follower of Jesus. The grace of God is with you no matter what happens. And this is my word to you this morning. No matter what happens, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you encounter, the sustaining grace of God is available and present with you. That is the gospel. You can count on it. This morning I want to look briefly at three obstacles. Well, I want to talk about how grace sustains us, obviously, but I want to talk about it in light of these three things. I think three common obstacles that we all face in life, and as we talk about those, to consider how God sustains us through those times. Temptation is the first obstacle that causes us to stumble. But we can count on God's sustaining grace to help us even when we're tempted. Now, when I say the word temptation, automatically, for many of us, our mind goes to sexual temptation. Well, we've already covered that, right? So we're not going to talk about that anymore. No. But it's more than that. You know that, right? Temptation is more than just physical temptation. It's much more than that. The Bible warns us to watch out for the attacks of the devil. This is from 1 Peter. From this one who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. That's how Peter described the devil. And you know, as I read that verse, I thought, the devil is not very subtle if he creeps around like a roaring lion. Because we tend to think that, you know, Satan lives under the dishwashers in our house and all, you know, this eerie. It's not that subtle. This one is a roaring lion who wants to devour us. You may not realize this, and some of you probably don't even believe this. But the moment you become a follower of Christ, a battle begins for your life. And some of you are going, oh, so that's why things are so hard. It's true. A battle for your soul. And as Paul reminds us in Ephesians, we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness. This is serious stuff. It's real. As a follower of Jesus, you no longer belong to the dark side. You no longer belong to the devil. You belong to God. You are now in His hands. You are His child. And as a result, 
you will face all kinds of things that you never considered before. You will face difficult, agonizing, confusing moral choices on a daily basis. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we have a conscience. And all of a sudden we're confronted with things. You'll have to regularly choose between right and wrong, good and evil, being selfish or being selfless. Every single day. That's the truth. And, by the way, you will be tempted, oftentimes to do the wrong thing, to act in the wrong way. But take heart. The Bible says that we're all tempted. Every one of us. Even Jesus was tempted. In fact, he was tempted in every way that we're tempted. In every way. But he never gave in. Okay? He never succumbed to those temptations. He never sinned. And the implication is this. It is not a sin to be tempted. We are all human. It's commonplace. It happens. It will continue to happen over and over and over. You can't control the thoughts that run through your mind. But you can control your response to those thoughts. You can control what you do with what you think about. You do have a choice. Martin Luther used to say, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. That's true. Several years ago, Billy Graham, the uh, aged evangelist that some of you may know, have heard of, was interviewed on the Larry King show. And I actually saw a tape of this later, but it was a number of years ago. And Larry King asked him, asked Billy Graham, in light of all the years that he spent in the limelight, how he'd managed to live with integrity and avoid scandal, which, by the way, Dr. Graham has managed to do that for 80-some years. And Larry King wanted to know. Billy Graham quoted 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And he said, the temptations that you have are the same that all people have. This is Paul writing. But you can trust God. He will not let you be tempted more than you can, than you can stand. When you are tempted, God will always give you a way of escape. Then you will be able to stand it. This is sustaining grace. The Lord never allows us to be tempted to struggle with that which beyond, beyond which we can deal with. That is a truth. By His grace, He always provides a way out. It may mean turning the channel. It may mean shutting off the computer. It may mean running out the door. It may mean changing jobs. It may even mean moving out of the city of Portland. Or it may mean a million other things. But God, by His grace, always provides a way out. Always. Well, sometimes we're tempted and sometimes we're just plain tired. Pretty simple, right? Tired. Worn out. This is a second obstacle that I think all of us face, right? But we can count on God's sustaining grace to help us even when we are worn out and shocked. Even when we wonder if we can put one foot in front of the other one. Life can be exhausting. It requires a lot of strength and stamina, especially 
when we're trying to do the right thing. When we're trying to live for Christ, there are many times, and this is a confession, okay, when I am simply sick and tired of doing the right thing. Okay, there you have it. I don't always want to be kind to my family. No surprise there. I'd rather be grumpy. Because then people will leave me alone. Don't talk to your father, he's grumpy. There are times when I don't want to be gracious and hospitable to my neighbors. I don't want to have another conversation. I just want to mow the lawn and go in the house. But there's times when I don't want to mow the lawn. There's times when I just want to ignore people. But you're a pastor. You can't ignore people. That's why you get paid the big bucks. There are times when I want to be rude to people who are rude to me. And on occasion, I have been rude to people. So where in the world do we get the energy to consistently do the right thing? Where does that come from? Not from our willpower. Today I'm going to do the right thing. Today I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a good boy today. We get this energy from the Lord. That is the truth. It's God, writes Paul, who gives us the ability to stand firm for Christ. That's where it comes from. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. 2 Corinthians. It's the Holy Spirit who energizes us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us stamina. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live for Christ day in and day out. You and I need to stop trying so hard to be good boys and girls. We need to stop trying so hard to live for Christ, to be good enough to always do the right thing at the right time. We need to give ourselves some grace. When we live like this, it is absolutely exhausting. At least it is for me. The Christian life is not primarily about trying. It's about trust. It's important to do good things. But more importantly, we need to trust Christ with our lives. The hardest thing. Following Jesus doesn't mean performing well so that God will smile at us and pat us on the head. It means trusting Christ to live in you and work through you. It means allowing God to sustain you and to empower you as you live life. God is at work within you, Paul writes to the Philippians, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. You see, the Christian journey is not about willpower. It's about God's will being lived out through us, and it's about his power being lived out through us. God's sustaining grace is not just available to us when we're tempted and we're tired, but it's also available to us when we are troubled, when our souls are troubled, when we have problems and when we have difficulties. We can count on God's sustaining grace to help us even during those times. Jesus said, I never heard this verse, by the way, when I was a new believer, in this world you will have trouble. Great, I want to follow him. Right? But it's true. He did say that. In this world, you will have difficulties, trouble. Expect it. Don't be surprised when it happens. 
Don't be blown away by the difficulties that come your way. Don't be pessimistic either, but don't be surprised. Be sober, be vigilant. All of us will be faced with obstacles that seem insurmountable. All of us will be confronted by situations that we cannot handle on our own. But God promises us his power and his sustaining grace. As you know, trouble comes in many shapes and sizes. <laughs> but the most sinister kind of trouble is the one that sneaks up on you and knocks your legs out from under you. The kind of trouble that you don't see coming, that catches you off guard. The kind of trouble that surprises you, that's unplanned, unrelenting, and in our minds, undeserved. That's the kind of trouble that is brutal. What do you do, some of you who are faced with this right now, what do you do when you're faced with this kind of trouble? Things were going along just fine. And all of a sudden, somebody pulls the carpet out from under you. Focus on Christ. Trust Him with your life. I apologize if that sounds simplistic, but quite honestly, that's the most profound thing that I could think of to say to you. It's true. It's the hardest thing to do. We want to fix stuff. When my life is out of control, I want to fix it. <laughs> I want to get my arms around it. I want to talk to people. I want to write a book about it. I want to do something. I want to fix it. Focus on Christ. This is what God says to us through the prophet Isaiah. Do not worry, because I am with you. <laughs> Don't be afraid, because I am your God. I will make you strong. I will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. God is with us, no matter what happens, no matter what we face. His sustaining grace is available to us all the time. Psalm 46, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our ever-present help in trouble. So how do we experience the sustaining grace? First of all, it's available. right? We don't need to do any spiritual gymnastics to get it. There's no magic formula that if you do it properly, it's yours. But there's three things, I think, that we should do, that we can do. The first one is this. We need to cry out for God's help. When was the last time that you cried out? You see, I don't think a lot of the prayers that we read in Scripture, certainly in the Psalms, were well thought out, articulated, I think they were heartfelt, gut reaction, prayer. Prayer sometimes is simply raw emotion. It's crying out for God, help me. I don't know what to do. We need to get rid of this self-sufficiency that we carry around and we need to admit our brokenness and our inadequacy. And that is so hard for us to do because we are so capable. There are so many resources available to us. But we need to cry out. Tell God the truth. Tell Him that you can't handle whatever it is that's in your life. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. 
that as we draw close to him, he draws close to us. So humble yourself. Cry out to God. Give yourself to him. Admit that you can't do it on your own. And next, and this is the hardest one for me, fill your mind with God's word. The last thing that I want to do when I'm struggling is to open the scriptures and sit quietly and read and ponder and pray and ask God to speak to me. I want to do something. But let the words of scripture comfort you. Let them strengthen you and soothe you, fill you, and give you energy. Because they do. It's God's word. Psalm 119, David articulates a feeling that we are all familiar with. I am completely discouraged. And then he offers his prayer. Revive me, God, by your word. Revive me. Take your Bible off the shelf. Open it up. Read it. Listen for God's word that's in there for you. Jesus Christ is the only one who can sustain you by his grace. And then finally, you knew we'd get to this point, you need to be connected with people, with God's people. You need to be connected in a church. The Bible says that when we truly connect with each other, when we help each other, when we encourage one another, we obey the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2. The law of Christ. The law of love. The law of love. All of us need friends. But not just any kind of friend. We need Christian brothers and sisters, mature believers, who will tell us the truth, listen to this, about ourselves and also about God. Some people are really good about telling you the truth about who you are. You are really irresponsible. You're a knucklehead. But we need to hear that. We also need to hear the truth about God from one another. God's grace most often comes to me and I believe to others through other people. Every one of us should be in a small group where we can receive instruction in God's word. But more importantly, we need to be in that small group to receive support and encouragement when we find ourselves in crisis, which we will. You're probably sick of hearing this, but I'm going to say it again. Get in a small group. Even if that small group is one other person. Sign up today and say, I'm going to be in a small group. It doesn't matter how much you know or don't know about the Bible. We have people that can teach you what you need to know. You need other people. And not just so we can brag about how many small groups we have. Your physical, mental, and spiritual health depends on it. Honestly, it does. You need other people in your life. God never intended for any of us to go through this thing alone. And those people who do, most often, don't get there. You can't do this thing called life and faith on your own. You need to seek out and accept the support and the love of your church family. You need to get connected. Well, I've asked my friend Joe Solis to become a living illustration this morning. And he was gracious enough to say yes. And uh, I want Joe to share with you briefly about what being connected with other believers and being connected in a small group has meant for his faith, for his walk with Christ. So, Joe, come on up and... All right, so Kurt asked me earlier in the week if I'd do this, and um, there's a lot of new people here. Wow. <laughs> um, 
as far as being connected, well, a little bit about me since there's a lot of new people here. Um, I became a believer about almost three years now, October 12th. And uh, I was in a dark place. Um, and uh, I can just say that it's amazing how God works because um, he brought someone into my life kind of at my job place. And um, little by little did I not know that he was surrounding me with his people. And uh, just amazing how he works. And it got to the point where I realized I was totally surrounded by all of you guys. I'm not, well, now all of you guys, but many people out here now um, that came into my life. And um, so through that, um, I got connected, so to speak, I guess. And uh, the small groups, um, it's just an amazing place to continue growing. And um, for me, it's been uh, just an amazing experience with the people that I've met and gotten connected with and been able to go deep with and uh, who have been there for me. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for that. Um, thank God for that, first and foremost. And um, so just being connected in these groups has really brought um, just a comfort, um, knowing that I have a church family. And, uh, and even on that, on top of that, I've put myself in a situation where Kurt talked about even the individual one-on-one -on -one aspect, and uh, that's been another huge experience and growth for me, continual growth. And I meet with um, Ryan Wines here, who is an amazing guy, and uh, I thank God for bringing him in my life. And uh, so, yeah, it's just being connected, and um, yeah, it's just been an amazing walk, and uh, I thank everybody here, actually, uh, for just being who you guys are and brothers in Christ. So, what's, what's been the hardest thing? Because it's for some people, they hear this word "small group" and they go, oh, wow. you know. The hardest thing yeah, I mean, because it's not easy, right? I mean, no, you're talking about kind of sharing your life with people. Yeah, it's. Uh, how, how does that work? Um, well, the fact that you are feel safe in that environment to share that with people to know that um, you know that who we are that uh, you can share that with in confidence and um, and just know that it's a it's a safe place um, for me it's been a safe place and uh, and I you know I, I just it's a safe place for me to be so any other questions no you sure positive not that I can ask publicly <laughs> okay no I appreciate you sharing with us then. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy to get up and, and hear, but again, just we need to be connected to one another. So where do you need God's sustaining grace this morning? What's going on in your life? Where are you discouraged? Where are you being tempted? Why are you so tired? Why are you so tired? Maybe you're facing some difficulty that is just overwhelming to you. That can't be fixed, at least by you. Know this. 
God's grace is available to you. Cry out. Cry out to him and ask him. Get connected with people. Share your life with people. Read his word. Pay attention to his voice as he speaks to you, because he will. Let's pray. Lord, each of us need you. We may not even recognize the depth of our need, but we need you. And I'm grateful, God, that you come to each person, to all those that you created and that you love, and you offer this gift of grace that not only saves but sustains and empowers and transforms us. Lord, this week, help us to listen. Help us to humble ourselves and receive your grace.